I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. If you're an auto racing fan, and even if you're not, Mario Andretti is a name you know, and for good reason. Aside from his dashing good looks and charisma, he was one of the most successful drivers in motorsports history. Only one of three drivers to have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, and the World's Sports Car Championship. Andretti remains the only driver to have won the Indianapolis 500, the Daytona 500, and the Formula One World Championship. Even more remarkably, he's the only person to be named United States Driver of the Year in three decades. But it is his story and his unlikely rise in a sport generally accessible only to the rich and the privileged that is most remarkable of all. Here is Mario Andretti. To tell his story. Well, I was born in Italy, um, and the region is uh, Istria, and however now it's uh, Croatia. And there's uh, the story. Obviously, it's one of the reasons why uh, the family immigrated to the states, because um, I was born in 1940, at the beginning of uh, World War II, and uh, that region was under Italy. Uh, as it had been, but uh, 
after the war, uh, Italy lost the war, so they lost territory, and that's the territory they lost. And uh, Yugoslavia occupied the region under hardline communism, under Marshal Tito. And uh, there was a choice for all of uh, the uh, inhabitants of the area to uh, succumb to communism or to maintain the Italian citizenship uh, to uh, leave home and uh, become um, refugees, basically, uh, back in mainland Italy. And, uh, and my family chose, you know, the latter part to uh, maintain the uh, Italian uh, citizenship. And uh, we were refugees uh, in the city of Lucca in Tuscany for seven and a half years before... Uh, my dad had uh, the opportunity to come to America. We had uh, relatives on my mother's side living in uh, America here, in, in fact, in Nazareth, where I live now. And um, it was suggested that why don't you come here? Uh, we would guarantee um, that you have a home, you know, and that's what they had to do to, in order to, to obtain visas. There's nothing normal about what happened to us, obviously. But uh, credit to my father. First of all, uh, the dad uh, uh, was administrator of uh, land holdings from the family on his mother's side because he lost his uh, parents at age two and four, respectively. And he was raised by uh, a priest, the uncle priest. And But the family on that side owned 2,000 acres of land, about 2,100 acres and uh, seven tenants, and my dad was the administrator of that of those holdings. Then basically he was a farmer, so he had no other skills when he moved on, and uh, that was a difficult part, obviously, uh, to be able to obtain uh, a professional job of some kind. And when we were while we were in the camp, conditions were very very basic, but my dad always provided for us. Uh, we were always dressed properly and uh, went to school and uh, never cold and uh, never hungry. You know, he always took took care of the family. Uh, was a very proud man, and that's something that I've always looked up to be, to him because of uh, of that. He had uh, he maintained that responsibility in the best possible way. And he never quit, Mario. It sounds like he never quit on you, his family, despite the the toughest circumstances. So you're living in Italy. Uh, and you you see uh, an auto race, and there's one particular man that that moves you to think about, or at least dream about, uh, automobiles and car racing. Who is that man? What was that race in Italy? Well, the race was uh, the uh, Italian Grand Prix in 1954, and uh, the man was my idol. He became my idol. It was Alberto Ascari, who was at the time current world champion. Uh, for Ferrari, and as you can imagine, as an Italian driving Ferrari and and being uh, so strong, uh, you know, I was very impressed by that and taken in all the way. And uh, as an idol, he uh, he just actually helped shape my future. To be honest with you, in my own mind, because between uh, my twin brother Aldo and myself. Uh, from there on, we did not have a plan B. I always say that, and that's a fact. You know, this is something that uh, we wanted to pursue no matter what, had no idea how or when 
you know, things were going to happen because there was, um, you know, a lot of uncertainties in our lives. And uh, even as kids, you could obviously uh, understand that. But um, but the dream never faded. You know, the dream stayed strong. And uh, at first opportunity, uh, you know, we pursued it. You know, when we came to the States, two years later, Aldo and I started building a car to race locally. First of all, the, uh, the car that we built was... Uh, a 1948 Hudson Hornet, which was uh, actually brand that was very successful in NASCAR racing. And there was uh, not popular, that car here at this local level, but, uh, but we chose that, you know, with the help of some other, you know, a couple other friends, uh, which you always have the scientist somewhere that does the thinking. And then we followed that advice and, um, and we built that car, and, and, uh, but uh, we didn't dare tell my dad. And you've been listening to Mario Andretti share his story and his father's story. And after World War II, the part of Italy he lived in, the part where his father administered to 2,100 acres, was seized by Yugoslavia, and Marshal Tito offered up two options for the Italians living in that part of what used to be Italy. Join the communists and renounce your Italian roots or become a refugee. And Mario Andretti's father chose the latter. But it was that Italian Grand Prix race in 1954 that planted the seeds in Mario and his twin brother Aldo's mind. And when they would come to America, well, as they say, the rest is history. When we come back, more of Mario Andretti's story here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the Donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with our American stories and the story of Mario Andretti. In his own words, we had last heard about the trip Mario took with his brother to see Alberto Ascari, the great Italian racer, in the Italian Grand Prix in 1954. And Mario had last left off with he and his brother doing what they were going to do the rest of their lives and not wanting to tell their dad. Let's pick up where Mario last left off. We didn't dare tell my dad because there were so many things uh, here. You know, he knew that we were following motor racing and um, and we were all in. And as kids, however, okay, all right, the kids are impressed by something. And uh, then Alberto Scotti is killed in, in, in the following year, 1955, uh, on a way over on a ship, Conte Biancamano, during the time that the 24 Hours of Le Mans was running. That's the time when uh, a Mercedes uh, went into the crowd and killed 85 people. So, so many negatives about the sport, always, you know, just fatalities here and there. Well, you know, my dad was certainly not a race fan of any kind. He never pursued, but the only news that he was ever, uh, you know, that was ever coming his way was negative. So, for us kids, you know, to even when we would hint about racing, he said, oh, you kids are crazy, don't even think about it type of thing. So uh, he certainly did not in any way understand how strong we believed in it 
and a strong, you know, uh, the passion that we already had developed. So anyway, we started building this car, and I didn't dare tell him, you know, uh, anything about it. And this was in 1957, two years after we arrived here. And in 1959, we figure uh, it will take us four years to build this car, you know, to get all the money together and everything, because you had to be 21 to race legally in those days, race professionally. And uh, so we figured we got time, but the car was finished uh, two years later in 1959. We were only 19. And we figured, you know what, we're not going to look at this car for two years before we race it. So uh, we had, uh, we fudged the uh, birth date on the licenses and uh, keep saying, you know, which is a fact in those days, obviously there was no computer. So we started racing at age 19 without my dad knowing. And the only defense that we had on that uh, or the buffer that we had there was the uh, language barrier, you know, because my dad obviously did not learn the language um, as quickly as we did. <laughs> so because we were winning races been at at work, you know, his boss used to, you know, try to tell him, oh, your kids are really doing well. They just want to, he didn't understand. He thought right. that the boss was uh, telling him how good he was at his job. So, again, it wasn't until the end of the season, at the very last race, an invitational race, that uh, Aldo, uh, you know, was almost killed in that race. He had a bad accident, which, uh, you know, we had a... a Actually, uh, fracture skull and all of that. So he was in a coma for you know for a long time, and uh, he was even given his last rites that time. And my dad didn't even know it, but he, that's how he found out. He almost felt vindicated. You know, see, I told you guys. You know, <laughs> type of thing. When Aldo finally came around weeks later, uh, he uh, uh, you know it took him a while after he opened his eyes and so forth. You know, it took him a while to actually speak. The first sentence that he said, he says to me, he says, I'm sure, I'm sure glad you had to be the one to face the old man. <laughs> okay. All right. We got him back. <laughs> who are key people in your life, Mario, who allowed you to think you could do what you did? Your well, team. There were several people that believed, could see uh, the burning passion that uh, I had. And, uh, uh, you know, after this, uh, Stock. I didn't want to make a career out of you know local stock cars. I wanted to get into single seaters, and uh, one of the first ones that actually helped was uh, my uh, now my wife, my wife's father, uh, and uh, and his partner. They, you know, I needed to buy a midget, a midget uh, car, a single seater to 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 run a three quarter midget to run indoor races in the winter, and that's where a lot of the owners would scout drivers you know for the full-size midgets for the regular season and i was i bought a uh, a famous car and i made a deal with uh uh earl hoke who was uh you know my uh that's hoke is my uh my wife's maiden name and they invested in that car and that's what got me going was another plateau a launching pad if you will because uh, i won some races i was competitive and uh, I got noticed, and I got a, a really good ride uh, with the Mateka brothers in uh, Midget, which were running the ARDC Club, American Race Drivers Club, uh, which was a very prominent Midget uh, series uh, with all the icons of Midget racing, you know, the Len Duncans, Tony Bonadio, some of the 
icons of major racing is of the era. And, uh, and that, you know, then I started winning there. And this is a team that had never won any races, but I started winning for them. And then uh, the team out of Indianapolis, the Rufus Gray team, but Rufus Gray, the individual, actually owned a sprint car. And he had a sprint car where he had some of the top names, like Judd Larson, driving for him and and USAC sprint cars. He took notice, and obviously they all knew that I was interested in progressing. And he gave me a ride, and he became sort of the mentor at the time, which brought me into, uh, I would say, mainstream of IndyCar racing, because even though it was not the top, category sprint cars is a step below the championship cars but i was driving against the top drivers because they were uh, migrate into sprint cars like aj foyd roger mccluskey all the top drivers would be driving as parnelli jones driving in these uh, sprint cars and i would be driving against them and all of a sudden i was started winning there and uh so uh, but it was always you know like i said certain individuals that just made the difference, and I seized the opportunity at the time, and quite honestly, uh, sometimes you, you get it right because uh, the main driver is hurt, and that's how it was really happening. A lot of it was happening with me. But um, once I took over, you know, it seemed like uh, I held my own and, and earned my, my way, you know, uh, into a solid ride. So... Uh, again, it was just uh, everything was by chance. You know, there was no guarantees anywhere. You had, uh, uh, you could have all the plans in the world, but you had no way of trying to predict what was going to happen anywhere. You just had to be there and seize the opportunity, and that's really the way it worked out for me. I want to talk about your wife. How does a guy do this without a strong family? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, you have no idea uh, the important role uh, that she played, um, you know, in, in my career and and, uh, and, and in, indirectly encouraging me and backing me up because, uh, you know, Lee, uh, you know, we got married, I got married young and, and the career was going. I had kids and I didn't have a steady job. I was relying on uh, just what I could earn racing, which, uh, you know, <laughs> can be pretty sketchy sometimes, <laughs> right. but it worked, and, and she worked. And you're listening to Mario Andretti telling the story of his life. And in this part, we learned that his father really didn't approve of what they were doing. He only knew the bad news, the bad stories. But he and his twin brother, Aldo, persisted. They had a dream. They had a vision. And they finished completing the building of their car early by the age of 19, They weren't allowed to compete until they were 21. That didn't stop them. It was a terrible accident. Aldo almost died. He was in a coma. Last rites were red. And he prevailed. And so did Mario. And in the end, well, the rest, as I said earlier, is history. Mario, to this day, is one of only three drivers who have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, and the World Sports Car Championship. And the only driver to have won the Indianapolis 500 the Daytona 500, and the Formula One World Championship. When we come back, more of this remarkable life story, one of the most successful drivers in motorsports history. Mario Andretti's story continues here on Our American Stories.
you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with our American stories and Mario Andretti's life story. Let's pick up where we last left off. 
Here's Mario. I got married young, and, and the career was going. I had kids, and I didn't have a steady job. I was relying on, uh, you know, just what I could earn racing, which, uh, you know, <laughs> it can be yep. <laughs> it can be pretty sketchy sometimes. <laughs> right. But but it worked, and, and she worked. You know, like even, to give you an idea, when, when I was driving, you know, when I was maintaining the uh, three-quarter midget that uh, her dad had financed, she was working, and uh, she was pregnant, and uh, on the way to one of the races, uh, she's, she's just like sobbing a little bit, you know. I said, what's, what's the matter? Deanne, she said, I just quit my job. I said, you did what? Are you, she was seven months pregnant. <laughs> I said, you did what? How dare you? I said, how am I going to pay for the engine? I said, you know, to keep freshening it up. She said, oh, no, this and that. So <laughs> as you could see, she was paying for me freshening up the engines from week to week, you know, at Bob's motorcycle shop and things like that. But, uh, you know, we laugh about it, obviously, you know, but uh, she was a rock behind me throughout, you know, and, uh, and again, you know, she, she was never a race fan. She's not a race fan today, but uh, uh, what the heck? I mean, uh, she, she had no choice, I guess, uh, you know, and, she knew that this was our path, and uh, even with the kids, uh, and uh, she just uh, always made the best of it, you know. But um, uh, she carried the burden, you know, the family, make sure everything is running smoothly, and and uh, and at the same time supporting me by what what I liked. It was the stability that she created because uh, uh, she always very in check with her emotions, you know, and. Um, and it was never like, uh, you know, ticker tape parade if I brought home a trophy or, uh, you know, like a, a black stripe on her arm if I didn't. And, you know, the hug when I came home with trophy or not was always the same. So that was really what I needed. The danger aspect, you know, was uh, looming, was always there because uh, uh, obviously the sport, um, you know, in the 60s and 70s, they, you know, was certainly not as, uh, especially in the 60s, uh, uh, not as safe as it is today, and uh, and yes, uh, we we lost a lot of friends. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, she made uh, she was friendly with many of the wives of my buddies, and and then uh, you know my best friend when uh, Billy Foster when he when he was killed, and uh, Judd Larson, and on and on. I mean, we lost so many. Uh, Ronnie Peterson. I mean, she was. Uh, obviously, always the one that uh, thinking, you know, when is is he going to come home? You know, this uh, uh, after this race. So uh, the spectrum of of that was always there, and it was real. Uh, there was we were losing way too many, you know, and unfortunately, and um, and and I'm sure that 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 was always, you know, anxious moments for her as well. Uh, me as a driver, I never dwell on that side, obviously. Uh, so I was pretty serene, but uh, but her, I could see that side of of, of her just dealing with this uncertainty, um, you know, all the time, every week. Uh, it had to be, a, you know, tough moments, and uh, I only began to understand really what she was going through when I came out of the cockpit officially. Because, you know, now watching, you know, my kids run and, and my grandson and so forth, uh, all of a sudden I have, uh, you know, different anxieties, you know, that I ever experienced by being active myself.
Yep, I think most coaches know this when, or, or, or most athletes, when they're playing, it's one thing. Then they watch their kids play, and it's like, oh, that's what my father was going through. Now, yeah. I, now I get go. it. There you go. Now yeah. I get it. You were obviously your name driver of the year in three different decades, driver of the quarter century, and, of course, driver of the century in January of 2000. And, and Mario, you did this across every style of racing that there is. Talk about, what, if you could, the three most important victories in your life, the ones that uh, that meant the most to you and to your family? Well, I mean, to me, uh, probably the victory that uh, stands out the most on a personal level is uh, winning the Italian Grand Prix because that's where I saw my very first, uh, you know, international big-time big race, and that's where my dream really began uh, or solidified and uh, and. Here we go. You know, I win in that place. And then I also clinched the world championship there in Monza, you know. So uh, that has, you know, personally, that nothing comes close to that. The others are obviously there are many races. There are very – every race has got its own uh, shining star, if you know what I mean. It's just uh, – but uh, when you look at the classics, those are the ones that – uh, you're judged by like uh, winning Indianapolis or or uh, or winning Daytona type of thing, you know, because uh, again, those are the crown jewels of uh, the, the different series. Uh, so you know, everybody would focus on that. I mean, there were there were others for me uh, uh, on a personal level. However, you know, here I go. I go fourth is uh, uh, winning. Over my son Michael on Father's Day in Portland, 1986, <laughs> you know, and yep. uh, beating him by seven one thousandths of a second, you know, that type of thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? And and uh, when I look back, and uh, how many times Michael and I started on pole, or how many times we were on podium together while we were even teammates? Those are incredible moments in my life, you know, when. Uh, uh, bright moments. Uh, when I look back, I said, we could have never designed that, you know, but it did happen, you know. How fortunate are we? How blessed we are. This becomes a father-son affair. And, you know, as we learn, you can't force Mario, your sons, to do anything. Uh, you know that from personal experience with your own dad. You must have been really heartened when your own sons chose to follow you in this really risky but really exhilarating profession. Oh, indeed, yes, because uh, uh, that was their choosing. You know, it's uh, something that I feel I made abundantly clear that, uh, you know, if you're going to pursue this, um, I said, don't do it just because you think that I may like you to do it. If that's really what you want to do, I said, but do it for yourself, for your own satisfaction. And uh, and then, you know, when they make their choice, just like what, no bigger satisfaction than having uh, your own, kids pursue on a business you know something you know on your own business you know like if you own a business you know they pursue and and they cultivate it and uh, make a career of it themselves and you've been listening to mario andretti share his story and we learn about the importance of his wife who he called a rock in his life and he really didn't understand all of the uncertainty and anxiety she dealt with until as he confessed he watched his own kids race and then everything changed, and he came to appreciate what a constant source of encouragement and constancy 
he was in his life. He reflects on the biggest victory in his life being the Italian Grand Prix, where the dream commenced when he was a boy. And imagine that kind of dream occurring in your life, the fulfillment of that kind of dream. And then, of course, another big race that he recalls is beating his own son, Michael, by a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second in 1986. And so happy that his boys chose to follow in his footsteps, but never through force or coercion. I guess his boys just watched what they watched, were inspired, and wanted to do what Dad did. When we continue more of Mario Andretti's story, his life story, an all-American story, if ever we've told one, here on Our American Stories. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with Our American Stories and Mario Andretti. And of course, there's Andretti Racing. And there's the business of racing, because it's not just Mario... Mr. Handsome and Mr. Charisma jumping into a car. There are jobs on the line. There are cars to design, crews to support those cars, sponsors, fans, TV contracts, so much more. And here is Mario to talk about the business of the business of motorsports. And this is a business. I mean, a lot of people don't know the, the amount of money that goes into the preparation of the car, the amount of people that are employed by the crew, uh, the sponsors, the, this is there are a lot of jobs on the line, uh, Mario. Talk about the business of this business because it's not just like you're some celebrity jumping into a car looking as handsome as you always looked, and that's that. I mean, this is work, Mario. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a complex business, no question. I mean, it's a uh, truly a team sport, actually. I mean, uh, as a driver, uh, you have to have piece of equipment worthy of uh, bringing results and who can make it that I mean then it's got to be a, a lot of people involved engineers mechanics and so on and so forth again there's uh, a lot that goes behind the strategies that go behind it I only owned a team and drove for myself in one year in 1968 I didn't want to do that because I wanted to move around to different disciplines I just wanted to drive but the driver is as a driver, however, I always had um, input in the team. I wasn't just a contracted driver, okay, drive and shut up, you know. I always was very integrated within the team because I wanted to have a say as to my, who my engineers was and suggestions, blah, 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 and to have that type of harmony, you know, within the team. And that's the part that actually really worked for me very well. And uh, I draw for some of the, you know, the, the icons in, in our sport over the years in different disciplines. And I was very, very, obviously, that's just what gave me the opportunity to bring home some results. You know, it wasn't always uphill for you, too. I mean, there were dry spells. And by the way, athletes experience this, too, Mario. How did you handle that? How did you cope? I mean, when things just aren't firing, so to speak, on all cylinders, how do you keep it together? How do you keep positive, especially with all the expectations? And actually, yeah. probably some people rooting for you to fail. Yeah, no question. I mean, there's, you, you've experienced all that. If you're in it for the long pull, believe me, you're going to have the ups and downs. And, uh, and that, I mean, the, the, when you're down, that's really what tests uh, your uh, 
your willpower, and uh, your mindset, all of those elements, they're so important because, uh, again, it's, it's not going to be always a bed of roses. When you're at the top, you know darn well that it's not going to last and you fight like crazy, you know, to, uh, to try to maintain the momentum, whatever it is that keeps you there. But uh, when it starts going the other way, you know, uh, you can't dwell on the negative. You've got to start keep searching, keep searching and uh, maintain a positive attitude, you know, to pull out of it. I want to talk to you about class and uh, income, that is. If you had tried to pursue racing in Europe, as opposed to your coming to America and to a place like Nazareth, would a Mario Andretti's career have been less probable in a class system like Europe than a place like America? Talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because uh, quite honestly, if we would have stayed in Europe, I don't see how in the world I could have uh, ever, you know, especially within the age limit, you know, to take advantage of a career, how I could have got started. So uh, I always say that uh, the negative of what happened uh, during the war, the displacement that we experienced as a family and everything was a negative, but it became a huge positive by having the opportunity to come to the United States because... uh, I feel that I'm a true, true example of the American dream. I don't see how anything could have happened to me unless we we came to the States. Even under the environment that my dad had me under, you know, because of his, uh, you know, this farming and so, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I had no, you know, even as a youngster, I just despised that type of thing. You know, that's not what, uh, you know, set the fire in me. And, um, uh, you know, we loved uh, uh, my Uncle Bruno, you know, who was, you know, my mother's brother, you know, who was, uh, you know, he was uh, an aviator in the aviation. He was a, he had motorcycles. He had, you know, it was that type of a guy, you know. And uh, so there was something that, um, uh, as I say, just if we would have remained there, I probably, uh, I don't know, I probably would have become a plumber or something. Yeah. Now, we love asking folks uh, just a few questions, Mario, just personal ones. Um, your biggest regret, that is, the decision you made that you wish you could have pulled back in your life? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not sure that uh, I have any regrets, quite honestly. Um, you could always do something better by looking at it now, okay, I might have made a better decision uh, a different time. Uh, I'll give you an example. You know, when um, at the end of uh, my Formula One career with Lotus, uh, I had a couple of opportunities, one to go either with McLaren or Alfa Romeo. And I went with my heart. You know, I went with Alfa Romeo because, you know, I had a friend, uh, engineer there and so forth, and I thought Alfa Romeo was, was ready to, uh, to spring, you know, into the, uh, to the top. Uh, in Formula One, and, and instead I, and I could have gone with McLaren. I could have probably won another ch- world championship with McLaren. So, you know, those are some things you call it a mistake, call yeah. it a miscalculation. Yeah, you could, you know, now that I have a chance to revisit, but overall, Lee, I have no regrets. I have no regrets whatsoever. You know, the, the, the positive way, way overcome the negatives. Uh, and so I, again, no regrets. That's great. What gives you, Mario, at this stage of your life, your deepest sense of fulfillment? 
the deepest sense of fulfillment is to be able to, with uh, everything that's going on in my career and uh, the distractions and everything, to have been able to keep the family together throughout. Yeah, and and faith does that play a role in your life, Mario? I mean, we know you're Catholic, but uh, talk about that that part of your life. Faith does, uh, and uh, again, uh, not just the fact that um, we had a priest in our family that was clergy, uh, and uh, that was never anything that was really pushed on us. As a matter of fact, my uncle priest, I love that man more than anyone. Uh, he was so such a modern thinker and everything, even then. But there was another a chaplain in our camp, Lorenzo Tamberlini, who uh, really uh, somehow, without forcing things, uh, like uh, instill certain values, you know, that you maintain and keep, and always knowing that uh, you can't do things alone. You know, you need some help. You know, you have to invoke something, believe in, in something, and I do. And many times I said, you know, I need some help here, please, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And somehow it, it it works for you. It always did and always will. And last but not least, Mario, tell us about a hobby, a pastime, a, a secret passion that the audience might not expect Mario Andretti to have. Well, uh, hobbies, I mean, that's uh, what we do. I just love uh, recreation. And as you can imagine, uh, I am fortunate. We have a, a place uh, up in the Poconos here. I have a lake and, and I have a, every toy imaginable you know atvs i have boats i have uh, ultralight uh, we play tennis we water ski i just love all the things that you know they're energetic and uh and you ought to come up there i'll get you tired really fast you you have a deal mario you know one thing i think never leaves some some men is the thrill of speed and the thrill of competition and that it doesn't ever leave you uh, as we as you get older, if that's who you are and it's baked into your DNA. Mario, I, I so appreciate you uh, taking the time, and I will most definitely take you up on the offer. By the way, your first victory uh, was in a place called Teaneck, New Jersey, and that's where I was born. I was born in Holy Name Hospital in Teaneck, New Jersey. So. Yeah, it was a big victory. I had a 100-lapper there with um, in my three-quarter midget, yeah. Well, I, thank you so much for joining us, Mario. Mario Andretti uh, for the hour. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. <laughs> you bet. And that was a live interview I conducted with Mario Andretti some time ago. And though not exactly the format of what we do every day now, we just couldn't help ourselves and play that one forward because what a story indeed that was. I was beaming the entire time because this is a hero of mine. And when you get to talk to your own heroes, oh, that's my own dream, talking to guys who had dreams too and fulfilled them. And that happens every day in American life. So many of us are living our own versions of the American dream. And it doesn't matter what someone else's is. All that matters is your own. And by the way, what he said about America is so true. He said, I am the true, true example of the American dream. I don't know how what happened would have happened without my family moving to the United States. If we had remained in Yugoslavia, I would have become a plumber. And by the way, it's no disservice to people who become plumbers. It just wouldn't have been what Mario Andretti was born to do, how God had created him. The story of Mario Andretti, the story of the American dream, as it has always been spoken of here on Our American Stories. 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 